everybody. Hi, guys. Well, from beautiful Salt Lake City, Utah. It's Thank God I'm Atheist. The podcast. I'm Frank Feldman. And I'm Dan Beecher. And coming up today, we have uh, another interview with Michael Ferguson. Yeah, part two. Yeah, but uh, different topic now. Totally different topic. <laughs> you guys are going to be like, wait, he's like the brain the brain scientist guy, right? Yeah. We're going to be like, yeah, but he's other things too. Yeah. Like, you know. Don't be a jerk. <laughs> like a big fat gay. That's what he is. Uh, big old, big old queer. <laughs> yeah, there's that. That's not true. He's he's not big at all. He's not fat. No, he's yeah. he's a, he's a slim yeah queer. But he is he's yeah he's a homo. He is a homo. Yeah, and we'll talk to him a little bit about his experience because <laughs> uh, he was part of a whole thing. Yeah, uh, coming up. Yeah, that, later that's on. coming. Uh, but for now, what do you got? You got something good? Well, yeah. I mean, aside from us throwing around the homo word, yes, but. uh what, I was not, just thinking about maybe good? new listeners. They might be a little like, who are these guys? Well, why do they throw these words around? I know. Anyway. Well, you're, you're I'm a total. Old, you're, I'm a big old homo. You're allowed to. <laughs> I'm not, I've, I've heard that some of some listeners have been offended by my. By your homo? By, yeah. By, uh, yeah. Apparently. I, I, I'm really? Quite lackadaisical about which, uh, which words I want. I, I use about it. Yeah. No, you are. Yeah. But I'm supposed to offend me. Nah. But I know you. I'm such a goddamn ally. It just feels like, <laughs> I don't know. Just, like, all of my friends are gay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe now I'm sounding like that guy. Now I'm sounding like the... <laughs> I've got gay friends. Yeah. I can say that word. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't um, know, Dan. Maybe it's wrong. You may want to... I want to check that one. I don't know. Maybe? I don't know. Okay. I'm not saying you should. Well, if you're I'm not, not... I'm not bothered by it. Okay. Okay, well, but anyway, there let's we move, go. Let's move on. Uh, so you know uh, that 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 <clears throat> Donald Trump, uh, oh yeah, got himself elected president. Yeah, that happened. Well, he didn't um, really do it. Himself. I mean, he had help. <laughs> well, like, you yeah, know, you know, not, Russia not, or whatever. Yeah, well, I, I don't even want to think or, or talk <laughs> about that at, the, at this moment. I hear you. Uh, however. It's had an interesting effect on uh, uh, progressive Protestants in this oh. country. Oh. Yeah. They're going back to church. What? Yeah. That's what they do in times of national crisis, oh. apparently. Uh, progressive churches like uh, the Unitarian Universalists mm. and what would, the, what would be some other ones? Um, you know, just... You know that kind of mainline Protestant, yeah, progressive. You get some of those uh, Anglicans and, uh, and some, whatnot. yeah, some of those whatever uh, tend to be a little. Um, what's the word? Just sort of a little relaxed in their oh, sure. approach. They don't go to church every week, whatever. No, no. But when nine uh, eleven happens, they show up to church. Okay, right. Uh, when a really tragic school shooting happens, they show up to church. After Hurricane Katrina, they showed up to church. I mean, this is st this is statistical, right? Right. Uh, and after Donald Trump gets elected, they all start showing up to church. Yeah, because they assume that they're being punished. <laughs> they assume that God has noticed that they're not showing up, and they're like, "Oh fuck! I'm sorry, God. Can we fix it? You think that's what it is? If I pray enough? No, they're scared as shit. I th I think they're looking for sense of community i think they're looking for a place to go uh find other 
like-minded people for yeah. who are feeling a little threatened. They're That's running into the wrong refuge as far as um, I'm concerned. But uh, let's see. It's- Deborah Hafner, she's the minister at, uh, at uh, a un- Unitarian Universalist church in Reston, Virginia. Okay. Uh, she said that, uh, this is her quote, people walked in here like they were going to a funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because they're, they're it, let, let me tell you something. Uh, the, the thinking folk of this country are scared shitless yeah. right now. Yeah, a little worrying. It's worrying. I'm, but uh, I'm got, I got news for you. Prayer ain't going to help you out. <laughs> no. It ain't going to be fact, Jesus. Right, exactly. Like, Jesus is what got us into this mess in the first That's place. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you got you to gotta find yourself a rally or something. Yeah. Because church ain't the answer. <laughs> But hopefully it'll make them all feel better, and then they then they don't have to worry anymore. Yeah, well, that's the nice thing about religion, isn't it? That it kind of takes a you. little bit of the responsibility of action right away from you. Yeah, because you just did your thing. I did. The, I did my sh- part. Whoa, 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 whoa! I, I, I went to church last Sunday. I gave. Yeah, I that, put that money on the collection plate. I put like fifteen dollars in it. So uh, and uh, I stood up and sat down mm-hmm. a bunch of times. I sang the song. I'm and, good, right? Uh, the, the 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 minister said something, and I said something back. We're good. Everything's good. The world spinning the way it ought to. <laughs> now that I'm back in Jesus' favor, oh, I feel so much better now. Hooray, oh, Donald Trump! Yeah, he can be president. It'll work get through. It'll it. all work just fine. Um. Oklahoma City. You ah. or you've been you're gonna head out to Oklahoma. Ooh, excuse me, I had a little hiccup there. Yeah. You're gonna head out to Oklahoma you. next week. Uh yeah, not Oklahoma City. No, no. Tulsa. Uh but or I, Tulsa sort of the, the area outside of Tulsa. Well, I assume well But t- I've been to Oklahoma City. Indeed. Well, all of Oklahoma. Oh. Any area of Oklahoma that has a state department of health office oh boy. will be will get some new decoration. Uh oh. Uh as part of uh, a bill that has been passed in in Oklahoma um, in the last legislative session. This makes me nervous. Uh, here's the thing: uh, there will be signs posted in all the bathrooms. Oh no! Uh, oh, why is this worry? Why am I worried? All the bathrooms licensed to the uh, State Department of Health that say, "quote There are many public and private agencies willing and able to help you carry your child to term oh, and assist no. you after your child is born." Whether you keep your child or place him in place him or her for adoption, the state of Oklahoma strongly urges you to contact them if you are pregnant. Which that last line to me is particularly ominous. The state of Oklahoma. You will contact us if you are pregnant. <laughs> we must know. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, Oklahoma. They can't make it illegal, but they can sure make it painful. God, it's it, Oklahoma is the is the state that does the things that Utah wishes it could. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oklahoma, <laughs> so, somehow Utah just doesn't do this. They're nonsense. doers over there in <laughs> Oklahoma. <laughs> they, 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 well, they. they <laughs> They leap without looking. They do. They a lot. D- or, or rather, they yes, exactly. They know the direction that they want to leap, and they leap. <laughs> they just go there. It's pretty At least impressive. in Utah. Like in Utah, 
there's like pretense at some debate about it. It's not yeah. debated really, but there's like there's like this sense of well, I don't know. The one thing that I've noticed about the Utah State Legislature is that it's all about the bottom line. Right? Oh yeah. And so every bill has tax, and I'm sure most states do this, but every bill has attached um, how much it's going to cost the state. Yeah. Uh, no, and a complete breakdown. How much will will this law cost us? Any old way it could possibly cost them money, right? Well, and, and so in the state of Utah, they're going to be like, oh, we have to have all these signs printed, and it's going to cost this much to hang the signs. And do you oh, want to take a guess at how much really, it's going to cost to hang the signs? How much is it going to cost? They have they have to be posted by 2018. It's conservative estimates estimates uh, put it at more than two million dollars. Yeah, that's why Utah wouldn't do right. It. Exactly because Utahns are all super crazy about not spending money like that. Right. So well, thank God at least in this way <laughs> they'll make other people spend money. Boy, if you yeah. have a bar, get ready to pay. Oh. Some money. Boy, yeah, but that's not the state spending the money. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's fa- uh, that's awful. Yeah. Well, good, on, good on Oklahoma. You know, super useful. They're, they're, they're just... They, no expense. Mm-mm. They should, will spare no know, expense for their idiocy. Be- <laughs> Two million dollars? Yeah. Why not? For, for signs that are going to do much? nothing. These signs are not going to do anything. I mean, they, they've got to know that... Maybe, like, maybe I think where, the best. What are these signs being made of? I don't know. I'm guessing that there's a lot of bathrooms, and then they got to hire. Like you could just have like basically like a bumper sticker. You know, get online, make your bumper sticker sign, right? Yeah. Have a bunch of them printed off. How, honestly, how many bathrooms could there be? You should be able to get a decent, decent price. Yeah. You know, if you're buying, you know, a thousand. I think of they're them. made of gold. They're, they they then, want them to be taken you, you seriously. You have to get some envelopes, and you have to like mail them out. I, it's probably personnel more than anything. With this. Yeah, because it, it can't cost. Seriously, I I'm I hate you. to be stuck on this point, but how can it cost two million dollars anyway? Let's uh, move well, on. It's government. They can, uh, they can spend two million dollars on on worthless signs that won't do anything. They can figure that out. Yeah, they'll do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm gonna go. A little bit south. Uh-oh. Oklahoma. Okay. Texas. Yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas is causing a, a fracas. What? In <laughs> Texas? Not Charlie Brown Christmas per se, but a school nurse at a uh, middle school yeah. uh, decided to uh, hang a, a, a handmade little poster up. Features uh, features Linus, you know, who's one of the peanuts. Yes, indeed. Right? Is that is that how you refer to them? Are they peanuts? They're the peanuts. Yes, they're the peanuts. He's one of the peanuts. Uh, and uh, you know, in I don't do you recall that a Charlie Brown Christmas is like the most religious of all the Christmas specials, right? Aside from maybe like the Mr. Magoo one where he's like praying to Jesus. I, but like, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of them, but sure. Like I remember there being, but this is like the big one. Yeah. A Charlie Brown Christmas is it's up there with like the Grinch who stole Christmas. Right. Right. Like, I mean, this is one of like, everybody loved it. The destination holiday specials. Right. Yeah. Uh, 
it has this little break in the middle where Linus, is, Charlie Brown, what is what is this all about anyway? And Linus is like, uh, in you know, City of David, a child is born. Right, blah blah yeah. blah. He quotes from uh, second or uh, what the Gospel of Luke was it the second chapter that has like. Yeah. The angels, the tale of the angels descending sure. upon the flock, tending shepherds uh, to blah, blah, blah. And his line is, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And that's what she wrote <laughs> on the poster. Uh-huh. And can't have that in a public school, Charlie Brown. So let's break this down. December 7th, the principal asked Shannon to remove the Linus quote or take down the poster altogether. Right. Uh, the very following day, Texas, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton said the removal was an attack on religious liberty. <laughs> <laughs> Took him 24 hours to respond to a, to a middle school principal. Wow. Okay. These and people don't have anything you better said that's to the do. Attorney General. The State Attorney General. That, that's that's a man who should understand what the law says. Well, apparently it yeah. is his opinion. Yeah. That uh the Supreme Court has has repeatedly held that neither students nor teachers shed their constitutional rights to freedom of speech or expression at the schoolhouse gate. Okay. Uh then he invoked the state's Merry Christmas law. Oh, no, wait. Which I, I had to look up. I feel like we may have covered this several We may years have. Ago. We may have. Is it fairly recent? It's newish. Yes. Okay. Remind um, me. So, the, it, be enacted by the legislature of the state of Texas. Uh, la, la, la. Um, winter celebrations a school district may educate students about the history of traditional winter celebrations and <laughs> allow students and district staff to offer traditional greetings regarding the celebrations including one merry christmas two happy hanukkah and three happy holidays wow except as provided by okay la la la, la uh, the school district may display on school property scenes or symbols associated with traditional winter celebrations including a menorah or a christmas image such as a nativity scene or christmas tree if the display includes a scene or symbol of one more than one religion or two one religion and at least one secular scene or symbol like charlie brown like charlie fucking brown <laughs> Oh, Jesus, Texas. Get your shit together. It's just it's just <laughs> so stupid. It's you know, it here's what it is. Human beings, even smart human beings, are completely disingenuous. They he if he were to analyze this, uh he, right? It was the Attorney General? Yeah. Yes. A he. If he were to analyze this, uh in in as in in the most cool-headed way possible he would understand why it's not okay to put religious iconography and symbolism up on a public school uh, uh you know displayed at a public school right he would understand that he would totally be able to figure that out right but once you start a belief <laughs> You just let go of all of that, and you double yeah. down on any illogic that works in your mind. Like if it can, get, if it'll get you halfway there, 
you're all over it. Yeah. It's just so disingenuous. It's- well, the school district, surprisingly enough, the school board, yeah, uh, has voted to support the principal. Right. Because ag- they've seen against, this shit. Against the attorney general's uh, forceful recommendation. Well, that's amazing, though. And uh, so six to one vote. They're like... Uh, we still we need to study this further. We're not legal experts, hmm. but right now we're standing with the principal. We're keeping the th- the sign down, and then we'll figure out what to do going forward. Good for which them. is a totally reasonable and rational approach, if you ask me. Yeah, um, and uh, saying that you know maybe maybe in the future, who knows? Maybe the attorney general's right. Right, he's not, but. Maybe. Let us look into so it. So we'll look into this. Meaning, let us f- go ahead and get our attorneys to look up all of the precedents that we already know exist yeah. that say that we can't do this so that right. we can show them to the attorney general. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, the only thing that, 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 the, the thing that saved this, uh, this school nurse is that it wasn't uh, a Bible quote with Jesus in a manger. It was right. a Bible quote. And it was a Linus standing next to it. Right. Right. And there was, aside from the quote, which is, she ostensibly is quoting Linus as well, even though Linus is quoting the, yeah, right. <laughs> the Bible. Yeah. You're not quoting, so, quoting, you're not fooling anybody, lady. <laughs> oh my God. Well, I'm going to take us to, uh, to our upbringing, oh. the Mormon church. Now. The Mormons uh, now they've had what some, are they up to? They've rejected uh, something. They were there was going to be a song added to their uh, <gasps> to the their young women's program. Yeah, uh, that the that those beautiful young women could sing. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you. Uh, 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 it's 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 a song. Now you have to understand that Mormons. Uh, I think this is entirely fair. Mormons are obsessed with purity when it comes to girls. Yes. Uh, they're not so obsessed with it when it comes to boys, though they'll make you feel like shit about masturbating. But they're obsessed with purity. <laughs> purity meaning like... And when they, it's funny because when they use for words like morally clean, yeah, all they mean is sex. Oh, yeah. That is all they're talking about. What else could it mean? Morality doesn't mean anything, but don't let anyone touch your boobies. <laughs> Well, let me see. So here's a song. It's a new song about purity, uh, taken in part from the biblical verse in Isaiah. Um, uh, Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Let's see if you can figure out why this might have uh, not been a well-thought-out entry into, into the canon. They can be white. They can be white. Bright as the day after the night. He'll take all the stains away. We can let go. We can move on. Pick ourselves up. Dust ourselves off. Though our sins be red, instead they can be white. Oh. There are apparently enough black or Mormons of color that maybe that wasn't the best idea in the world. Right. Just to have a song that repeatedly says you you can be White, white. white. Be white. Being white is good. Anything else is bad. Brown, 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 brown. They can be brown. They can be brown. <laughs> New. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, so 
it was uh, going to be made official, and then they pulled it pending a review. Oh no, <laughs> it's done. Is that Janice Cat Perry? No, no, it was, it was co-written by a seventeen-year-old Asian Latter-day Saint, so a person of color. Yeah, a little tone deaf on the whole uh, white thing, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There All you right. Go. Well, good for them. They're they're uh, they're avoiding controversy, is what they're doing. Well, I mean, they already had the controversy a little bit. It came yeah, small, it came out didn't and, make it into the publication though. Imagine if it had actually been in the songbook. Right. What well, a, what a one uh, one Mormon of color, a, a, a black woman by the name of oh shoot, my computer is freezing. <gasps> no, by the name of something Graham Russell. What is her name? J. Janin Graham Russell uh, doesn't necessarily believe that this is the best, uh, that, that this is just good news. Um, while she, she was the one that said, you know, she, she basically, uh, she's quoted in this Salt Lake Tribune article um, talking about how, um, how it's, sympath- it's uh, symptomatic of not having honest conversations. This is a quote from her. Uh, it's symptomatic of not having honest conversations about race and what has been said about whiteness and blackness in our history. Hmm. Yeah, the Mormons do have some history about the yeah. whole white and black thing, including uh, that whole thing about, like, if you're good, uh-huh. and this is true, this is what people used to say, leaders of the church, the prophet of the church mm-hmm. would say, if you're brown, mm-hmm. but you're good, yeah, you'll get whiter. Yeah, no. Don't worry. I you know. don't have to be that color forever. That disgusting, sinful blackness or brownness or brownness doesn't have to doesn't have to stain you forever. <laughs> you'll get you'll so get gross. white someday. It's so gross. It is so gross. Anyway, it's okay to tan during the summer <laughs> ish. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> Avoid even the appearance of evil, Frank. Well, I've got another uh, Myerman. Oh, good. Myerman Starry. The Myermans. Uh, not really so much uh, about the Mormons, but a, an LGBT community center opening in Provo. Oh? Across the street from the temple. Oh! Like, right across the street. Wait. From the which, downtown temple. The down, okay. The, the Provo Center. Okay. Or Provo City Center yeah, Temple, whatever it is, what the, the Newskin Temple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, a a charming old home mm-hmm. across the street uh, that was uh, purchased by a board member of Encircle, which is uh, an LGBT uh, group. Yeah, down in uh, down in the Utah County. Okay, uh, they. Uh, they feel that the the proximity to the to the to the temple sends a strong signal to uh, LGBT members of the church or members of the church with LGBT family members mm. uh, as a nice reminder. Um, and uh, this group don't forget actually- your son is gay. <laughs> yeah, go do your temple. Your son's gay. <laughs> that actually should just be. People out in front of the temple with picket signs. It's like, <laughs> you know your son's gay, right? Yeah. You know you've got a gay niece. Yeah. That, she's she's gay. That granddaughter that you've been wondering about? Yeah, she's a lesbian. It's for real. And you love her. You you still love her, right? Now, what are you, what are you doing in there? Yeah, what's going on? Yeah. 
Um, apparently, in Circle, um, on their board, has uh, one Mr. Tom Christofferson. Do you know that name? No. Uh, I didn't either. Uh, he uh, He's Mormon okay. and gay. Hmm. And his brother is one of the Quorum of the Twelve. Oh, wow. Christofferson. Yeah. He's one of the newer ones. That that's, a, I... that's a Mormon mucky muck, a higher up in the oh, Mormon yeah. church. Really high up. Yeah. Like, in line to the presidency. And he's a young dude, too. Yeah? Yeah. Well, oh. as young as you could be. Your brother's like he's gay! Like, he's like 60. No, apparently he's kind of cool on the issue. Like, okay. As cool as you could be and be in that position. Right, right? yeah. Um, but anyway, um, they receive uh, donations from uh, the likes of Steve Young. Okay. Football player. Famous professional football player. Yeah. and And notorious uh, Mormon heartthrob. Yeah. He was a looker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's also, he and his wife have been uh, very supportive of the LGBT community. Oh, good. Um, well, I who, mean, how, who could spend that much time in a locker room full of strapping <laughs> young men and not be okay with gay? Uh, and the, uh, the community center will, because it is a home, they want it to feel like a home. There will be fresh baked cookies, um, apparently, um, as well as uh, art classes, homework help. And oh. uh, on-site counseling for individuals and families. Oh, but in, Pro- nice? in Provo, who could possibly need that? <laughs> everybody's everybody's healthy and gay in Provo. Oh my God! We'll be talking about that later on in the show. Indeed, Doctor Ferguson. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, that's some bullshit. I hope they paint it rainbow colors like the one in no, it's, it, Wichita. It's, it's blue, I think. Is that Wichita? Is that is that where the the Equality House is across the street from the, the Westboro Baptist folks? Oh, shoot. I believe so. Well, Kansas. Somewhere. Assholery. Well, there's there's Wichita and Topeka. Those aren't the same? <laughs> no. Is that two different places? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, Dan. Uh, I feel like it was Topeka, but I might be wrong. It was one of them. Did we go through both? I fuck if I know. I don't know. Kansas was a bit of a blur. <laughs> it was towards the end of the trip. Kansas was, uh, I mean, it's delightful, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so. So there you go. go, go apparently, go get some gay cookies in Provo. Yeah, and then go to, the, go to your temple work. Right. I'm gonna, get refreshments I'm after. Definitely going to stop in for a cookie every now and then. You should. Are Except, you down there? No, I don't ever often? go. I try to avoid it as much as I can. It's such a cute little town. Provo. Stepford? <laughs> yeah. It's a it. weird place. It's a weird place. Uh, oh, I'm going to take us to another weird place. Oh? Maine. Maine? The state of Maine in these United States. Okay. Where a man who outweirds most of them in Maine, uh, a man named Phelan Moonsong... Which that says a lot, and all like, of the, like this moon song is failing. P H E L A N. Whoa, Phelan, Phelan moon song, Phelan. Uh, all I'm going to say is whatever image is coming to your head, multiply it by ten, and you're right. <laughs> uh, he, so long. How long is his hair? He has he has one uh, a right. Uh, I, I'm going to show you a picture of his hair soon enough. Um, does does he? So I, I I imagine that he just has dream catchers <laughs> like all over the place. Yeah. Is it that guy? It is that guy. Does it's, he walk around with like a mason jar with like 
some sort of unimaginable concoction in it with a tea bag hanging out of okay, it. I'm going to show him a picture. And just kind of. <laughs> Let's not. No. It's <laughs> no, um. That's ten. You're right. Ten times worse than right. I could possibly. I have said imagined. multiply by ten. You didn't do it. You didn't do the math properly. <laughs> here's here's uh here's what he's won the right to do. Is to have these all of these pictures have Mr. Moonsong uh, with goat horns uh, uh, seemingly growing out of his forehead, uh, as well as like the the sort of David Crosby mustache and like the guy. Yeah, he's he's an older gentleman. He's got a big old mustache and a, and a goatee and. Uh, was that like a fur vest? Yeah, yeah, nothing on yeah. There's a picture bit. of him with 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 yeah a fur vest and then like <laughs> sort of fur pants and like fake hoof shoes. <laughs> He's a neo pagan, is what he is, is no. what he calls himself. He calls himself a priest of Pan. Oh, uh, and, and as oh, such, that explains it. And as such, believes that he should have the right to wear those horns, those goat horns, yeah, clearly on his main driver's license, as he should. Uh, and apparently, th- uh, there's been some uh, some back and forth with the state, <laughs> and it looks like it's going to happen. Wow! Looks like he, uh, you know, there's all the pastafarians with the colanders on their head. Uh, he he will have his horns. Well, good for him. Every especially, do- yeah. Especially because this, this is legit, right? Like this is really who he is. Uh, I don't the think anybody thing w- is a little okay. You're having your fun. There's you get some, it. There's some commitment to this person. No, like, I know. Yeah, for sure. Like, like that. You'll notice. Turn the picture. Turn it toward me again. Yeah, he's come by that uh, tan. Honestly. Oh yeah. Um. That that's not some office worker who uh, goes out on the weekends and frolics. No, this guy's out there like, like this all the time. He's wearing like a leather. I don't know. There's there, it's, you'll have to probably Google it, people, because <laughs> it's just worth seeing. He's got glasses. Like I don't know. I feel like if you if you have, I th- I feel like there's a there's a con- contradiction between glasses and goat horns, but I'm not sure. Maybe not. Anyway. The right I mean, there is neo pagan. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he, he can still participate in modern conveniences yeah. like like corrected vision. Yeah, sure, why not? Oh, well, if you uh, if you belong to a religion that you think you should we should all know about and that you should have special rights in terms of what you get to wear uh, in your in your government issued ID, you can write to us and tell us all about it. Podcast at thankgodamatheist.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail message. The telephone number is 424-666-8442. Right. Go to the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Atheist. And while you're there, search for the TGIA Members Only Lounge and request to join. A growing, delightful community. Yeah. It's a closed group, though, yeah. but we'll let you in. Well, we got some uh, some audio here. Oh uh, yeah! So this is uh, notorious canned ham Gordon Klingenschmidt. <laughs> <laughs> he's, okay. He's a uh, he's he's got some wisdom from us from uh, Martin Luther King Jr. So thank God he's he's going oh, to that well. Oh, okay, good, good. Yeah. What is 
the idea of discrimination. I want to show you uh, a famous man here, Martin Luther King Jr., who said in his I Have a Dream speech, talked about discrimination, and actually he said, it's okay to discriminate. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Martin Luther King promoted discrimination? Yes, just not according to your skin color. He said this, I have a dream that my four little children will one day be able to live in a nation where they'll not be judged by the color of their skin, but they will be judged. They will be discriminated against according to the content of their character. In other words, it doesn't matter what your skin color is. It matters what's inside of your heart. And if your heart is full of corruption or sin or immorality, in this case, homosexuality, then you should be discriminated against. When these confusing statutes now try to redefine discrimination and say that you can no longer discriminate against character, that the, anyone who discriminates against character is guilty of discrimination and therefore ought to be discriminated against, they're actually saying Martin Luther King himself ought to face, uh, ought to be punished for his views. And that's not right. MLK. Wow. Is on his side. That is some sound logic. It's good reasoning. It's really Kling, good Kling reasoning. Schmidt. I mean, I'm guessing that MLK was no fan of the gays. Like, uh... Product of his time, yeah. I'm well, sure. and and you know, Baptist minister is not going to be. What, what super about huge. what's his bucket? The guy on the, the the gay guy who was one of his right right hand men. Okay, well there you go. I don't know that they knew that he was gay. They but might have. I can't remember the whole story. I saw this. I saw a PBS documentary. Okay, once on great. It, and I paid close attention. I'll bet you did. Yeah. And I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> I'm actually kind of embarrassed that I even brought it up. <laughs> Nevertheless, uh, he got you there, man. It's uh, all you gay people. Character. It's a, wow. It's a, it's a function it's of character. It's all about character. Just get some character, will you? As a gay man, it's hard, Dan, oh, to, I know. To, to come by character. I know. Well, and apparently uh, character, as defined by Gordon Klingenschmidt, is fucking a pussy. That's that's called character. <laughs> you touching another man's ding dong? That's not character. No, that's uh, that's, that's low. Oh yeah, you know, oh God, he's so smart. It's so Klingenschmidt. He's figured it out. Klingenschmidt. Yeah. Well, uh, we didn't have a lot of correspondence. We did have uh, a little bit. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna read an email that we got from Paul. Oh, okay. Dearest Frank and Dan, your recent discussion regarding abortion, uh, we had a, a whole long discussion about abortion a few episodes ago. Yeah, okay. All right. Reminded me of a question I have never been given an adequate response to from the Christian pro-life crowd. Most Christians I have encountered, I also used to be of that ilk, believe that any child that dies prior to the age of understanding automatically gets a free ticket to heaven. So aborted, quote, children have a 100% chance of enjoying heavenly bliss for all eternity. Yeah. The alternative best case scenario for a child born in the States is maybe 50%, likely less, that they find Jesus. Uh, he wrote Jeebus. Uh, for the 50% that don't, an eternal realm of torture awaits. Why fight so hard against abortion if the aborted get a 100% one-way ticket to heaven? Isn't it achieving eter isn't achieving eternal life what this mortal life on earth is all about? 
Who gave those? Why give those children any chance whatsoever of earning a never-ending bath of hellfire? Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, maybe the mom and the doctor go to hell. Yeah, but that baby, the, all those little ticket to heaven, all those little fetuses, those little embryos just flying up to heaven. They barely even come down. They just they just like they they do a tag back. They do a touchback. They just run back, tag in and then they're out. Yeah. It's There's perfect. such And you know, God knows everything that's going to happen and everything. So he sends all his favorite babies uh to to the abortion to, room. To the abortion room. Yeah. yeah. The rest of us were just the assholes yeah. that God didn't like. Yeah. God's like, eh, we'll see about you. You, you, and you, I'm going to make sure that you die early. But you, oh, no, you're making it all the mm-hmm. way. Yeah. We're going to see about you, you dick. Yeah. Because God is a, a cruel and, and heartless man. <sighs> He'd have to be. Yeah. He'd have to be. Yeah. The Christian God is one of the most fucked up things you could ever conceive. I think absolutely like it's it's just it's 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 he's horrible he a 100 percent horrible and i hope he can hear me saying this right now well (laughs) i don't believe that he can uh but maybe Uh, fictitious people it's hard to get their attention (laughs) they're they're tricky that uh well dan yeah what do you got do you have anything else over there no no that's that's it. We need to talk well, about a few yeah, things. Yeah, Christmas, Dan. It's coming up. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas. I say happy holidays. Happy holidays. And Merry Christmas. And happy Hanukkah. And and there was no Kwanzaa mentioned in that no, Texas law. No. Texas doesn't have any black folks, does it? They or, have to. Yeah, they got a lot. <laughs> they got a lot. They just don't have to. They just don't pay any attention to them. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. So with Christmas upon us, you and I have our, our schedules have become untenable. And just it's it's actually uh, this doesn't happen very often Mm-mm. where it's just it's not going to come together. So I'm flying home to Oklahoma on Friday. Right. To uh, spend a lovely few days uh, with my family. Uh, and will it be lovely? No, this is going to be perhaps one of the worst <laughs> all-time Feldman family Christmases. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know why? Yeah, that's true. So, that's true. There's some sadness and yeah, yeah. My dad has uh, has has some cancer, and yeah. so we're gonna be dealing uh, with uh, with that. Um, and. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so I, I have that to look forward to, and you've got your stuff going on here, right? And uh, we're just not going to be able to make a show. That's so. what we're getting. Around. So <laughs> that was the long way we're, around. We're taking a, a break for one week, uh, which is something we don't do. No, no, God, you and I. God, when have we taken a break? We were. Well, when has the show taken a break? We worked very hard to have a show for you. Yeah, it may be shitty as all hell, <laughs> but we're gonna get you a show. <laughs> Well, not this time, <laughs> suckers. There will be no Christmas show. No Christmas show. Uh, so just, we we thought uh, through all the different possibilities and ways of doing it, and it was just like, there's just really no time. Yeah. So for once, there is no time. Um, but um, we will be back the following week. Uh, and a rare and to go. 
Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, uh, my God. Just because then it's going to be New Year's. Woohoo! Actually, yeah, the show will launch right as we're ringing in the new year. So that'll be exciting. So that'll, that'll be awesome. Um, but in the meantime, I would like to thank some new patrons on Patreon. Oh, hooray. You guys are just, you're, you're killing it over there. Like, it's amazing. Um, we uh, last week we announced that we um, beat our last goal. We have made. We have achieved a goal. So we achieved a goal, and, we'll, and we will all be rewarded for that goal. Yeah. Well, we're going to start shooting video of us recording the show. Yeah. And then we're going to post the video onto the YouTube. Yeah. And uh, so that that's what we did with that. And then now we have this new goal coming up. Um, and as soon as we hit it. We will be doing two sort of traveling shows a year. Yeah, we uh, on our dime come out to you uh, to to wherever whatever town you're in. Specifically, you. I'm talking to you, listener. <laughs> well, there's a there is a chance that that could be true. Yeah, Jim, <laughs> talking right. to Jim and Susie in, in where? In uh, I don't know Iowa. Yeah, there you go, or somewhere Sioux City. Sioux City. Sure. It could be anywhere, and here's how we determine it. Uh, all of our patrons from here on in, when you, uh, if you're a current patron, if you're a patron uh, who's just joining, you, you sign up as a, on Patreon as a patron, and then you send us an email just telling us where you are. Yeah. And guess what? That counts as, uh, that counts as a vote for, when, for where we want to come, uh, for where you want us to come. If you, and the, the more of a patron you are, guess what? The more votes you get. Yeah, every dollar is a vote. So yeah, the more you donate, uh, the more the more votes you get. And yeah. we'll, we want to come and see Fair you. Enough, people. people, this is Trump's America now. Right. Let's get used to it, okay? <laughs> We're embracing it. Uh, no, but seriously, um, you know, the other, the, the other way to get us out to your neck of the woods uh, is for you to encourage uh, maybe the rest of the people in your, yeah. in your local group. Your listening group, you know, when you get together every week and and have a and have a Frank and Dan listen, <laughs> when you sit around the fire and turn on the old, just like they did back in the radio days. Oh, we've been we've been hearkening. It's for a days of yore. It's a fireside chat. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, however you want to do it, but we're very excited about about bringing you that, uh, uh, bringing us to you and coming out and meeting you. So please. Uh, Please uh, don't hesitate to become a, uh, a patron. And who do we have to thank? Well, we have uh, one faithful Larry. Oh, faithful Larry. To thank. He's my favorite. We have Saint Tiara. Um, and then uh, Pope Matt. Oh, a Pope. We got a Pope this week. Matt, you're killing it. Oh, my goodness. So the three of you, any of you guys can uh, can write into us now and tell us where you're from and uh, and and we'll put you in the running for uh, for our new for us coming out to see you. Yeah. And then uh, James is uh, is our savior. Is our savior. Continues to be our savior. In our Lord and savior in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Well, we're uh, we're back again. We've got uh, we've got Dr. Michael Ferguson 
back with us. We had you on last week, Michael, and uh, and or should I call you Doctor Ferguson? That sounds so <laughs> official. It sounds so official. <laughs> we should probably. I should probably. Uh, I should probably say that uh, we know each other. We're friends. So I don't know if that's a. If there's, I just. Suddenly. Conflict of interest disclosure. Yeah, yeah. For whatever reason, it just seems like you're supposed to say that. It's not like Frank and I present ourselves as journalists or whatever. Oh dear God, no! <laughs> Good Lord, that would be terrifying. Uh, okay, so last week we talked about uh, your interesting, your fascinating work with uh, brain science, but we're not going back to that this week. This week we wanted to talk about uh, a lawsuit that you were involved in. Uh, last year was that was that when uh, when everything sort of came to a head? That's correct. It went to trial last year, and uh, and this is a we I think we reported on it a little bit, um, but I want to. But I'm so glad that that you are now able to talk to us about it because it is it's it's important stuff out there. Um, you were involved in a, a group, or, or you you you. Uh, attended i don't want to you, yeah you you uh you went to a group called jonah yeah i was a client you're a client you paid them money yeah uh and that jonah is uh was a uh what does that stand for jewish uh something yep it stood at the time it stood for jews offering new alternatives to homosexuality oh Right. And and have they changed that now? Does it stand for something else now? Uh now it stands for she got shut down, honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please gay out as much as you can during this interview. <laughs> they got put out of business by the lawsuit, so they don't stand for anything anymore. Right. Excellent. Um so talk to us about uh the journey that led you to Jonah. Well, that journey started um, well, there's, there's many places you could say that it started. I'll go ahead and begin with Brigham Young University. When I was a returned missionary, I was at BYU. A and good little Mormon boy. Good little Mormon boy. And I was doing my duty to find my eternal companion. And I was dating women. And I got to a point where I was aware that I was attracted to men. Mm. I was not ready to use the word gay. I was not ready to even use the word homosexual. Um, and I was barely able to even like think to myself in the terms of same-sex attraction. So there was like a lot of internalized homophobia right. that was going on. You were suffering from same-sex attraction. <laughs> That's right. It as... was my, I really – no, I thought of it as my cross to bear – and I thought that this is my thorn in the flesh. Oh, you, they give you so many good words to use for this shit, don't they? It's so vivid. And this, <laughs> is actually, this is actually important because most people don't realize that some of the most toxic forms of sexual orientation change efforts come directly because religious psychological symbols are so vivid. Yeah. So then if you're thinking about your core nature, like your own sexuality in terms of like nails through the flesh of the hands of God and in terms mm. of, you know, the, the thorn that prevents you from entering eternal glory. It's like, man. And then you, you know, it becomes really apparent that this intersection of religious fundamentalism that is anti-gay, anti-trans, um, anti a lot of things 
in addition to individuals who really believe and are trying to make it work. Yeah. Um, there is an immense amount of harm, so much so that I strongly feel like it's a public health crisis. I I wouldn't disagree with you on that point. I think that uh, the uh, well, as a you know, as a brain scientist who's studied religion, you know, they tap into some powerful shit. Yeah. And uh, and if you start internalizing that about your own sexuality, that is clearly inherent to you. You're up shit's creek. Yeah. Oh yeah. So you uh so so you determine in your in your uh attempting to date women that something is going horribly awry. That's right and I didn't feel like I could morally, responsibly, ethically continue to date women without disclosing to them that this was part of my experience. Mm. Um so how did I, that go? That's a fun conversation to have. You know what? It went <laughs> surprisingly without very much consequence. <laughs> most most of the Mormon women that I dated, the response to me telling them that I'm gay was, "Well, we can make this work." Oh it God, sounds, it sounds about right. Yeah, it does sound about right. If you know Mormons and you know, like, first of all, these ladies, especially at BYU. Mm are desperate for a husband. Mm -hmm. They are running around like chickens with their heads cut off trying to find that husband. So <laughs> the fact that you just had a penis is probably enough. Whether you <laughs> used it for them with them or not, that was probably that was that was probably enough for them. So, and it's complicated because on the one hand, I give them props for being compassionate. Mm. But I place the blame on the system that teaches nothing about human sexuality in any semblance of a responsible way. Right. Well, I mean, the problem is that they're not using sort of modern understandings of sexuality as their template. They're using thousand-year-old book, uh, or, you know, a couple thousand-year-old book and another book that's a couple hundred years old but, like, purports to be a thousand years, years old book. So well, and it's pretty nuts because even – so, for example, when I was at BYU, so this was in um, – probably 2004 mm -hmm. that I took a neuroscience class and within the neuroscience textbook, there was a chapter on the neuroscience of sexuality. That's a completely legitimate component for a student of the brain right. to understand, you know, it wasn't like it was some sort of salacious pornographic, like pulp text, <laughs> <laughs> but we totally skipped that entire chapter. In the course. Oh, wow. Yeah, because it's dirty. Totally just skipped right over it. <laughs> we didn't want the students thinking about sex. Oh, my God. That's amazing. So, uh, so you did, was it you personally that, that decided you needed to convert yourself to being straight? When I went and talked to my bishop about my situation, yeah. he instructed me that there were lots of other guys who had been in the situation and who had changed. And so he referred me to the BYU Counseling Center. And there I started going to the you know reparative therapy regimen mm. that was prescribed for me. And they have a, BYU has a long history of, uh, of lots of, of attempting many things to try and convert uh, gay people to straightness. They do. 
They do. And in fact, uh, my husband, Seth Anderson, is doing a lot of really, really revealing research with regard to the history of the re of conversion therapy efforts, such as those at BYU, also here at Cornell and at Harvard in the 1970s. Mm. Hmm. Uh, yeah. How'd those turn out? <laughs> did, uh, did they get it figured out? They're part of the, the history of shame. <laughs> they are. Yeah. So, uh, so, so. You're, you're bis you you start the therapy uh, at BYU. I'm going to guess it wasn't working. It wasn't working. Well, but this is the thing. Um, if the goal, and again, I'll get really like kind of into the details here. Like if the goal is to prevent an individual from identifying as a gay person, then it worked. And for a lot of these individuals today who are like advocating conversion therapy, like they say, well, as, as long as you don't identify as gay, that you're not really gay. And they will, I mean, they will, they will mean that so sincerely when they, when they advocate their success stories. What does that <laughs> even mean? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I hate to like be the devil's advocate, so to speak, um, but they break it down into your feelings, your behaviors and your identity. Yeah. So they, they fragment the human sexual experience uh, instead of having it be this wonderful, unified source of joy and affirmation that it should be like mm. they dissect it until it's no longer a living, wonderful, beautiful thing. And they say that, you know, your identity has to be different from certainly from your feelings and then behavior is sin. And so behavior, if you do act out, so to speak, then, you know, you can take care of that in the religious context. Mm. Um, and so they've just, again, they fragmented human sexuality and assigned it to all of these different places where you're working clinically on resisting the identification component and convincing yourself that you're not gay and you're not homosexual. And you ought not identify that way. So if, then, if I'm, if I'm uh, going through this and I decide to, to be part of the program, then I'm saying I'm not gay. Uh, I may still be experiencing attraction to men. I may still be not attracted to women. But as long as I don't use the term I'm gay, I'm, uh, I'm, one, I'm, I'm, I'm one step down the road to recovery. That's right. And you are a success story. Hooray. That sounds fantastic. What a great life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that can't be the, the goal. I mean, they, aren't they trying to change your, your actual attraction, though? This is where it gets very dicey because you'll have individuals who run these programs who will swear until they are purple in the face that they are not trying to change sexual orientation. What? <laughs> Wow! Oh God, they are they they are splitting hairs here. So I never They're went. Totally yeah, I never went anywhere near these things. Right, so it's all very foreign. I mean, Fr Frank, you had you had a, a a similar like experience at least on the on the sort of on the out exterior, which was you went on your you went on a Mormon mission yeah. just like Michael did, and yeah. then and then you went to BYU just like Michael did. But right, you. When you started to experience, when you started to acknowledge your sexuality. You mean when I was like 17? Well, when you, I mean, by the time when, you were when I was starting to actually accept it right. entirely. Um, yeah, I, I just 
cried bullshit and got out of there. Right. Like I, I didn't I didn't go anywhere near that. So so anyway, I just this is actually quite foreign to me and quite shocking. Um some of this yeah so. michael what, what what do you think it is that that led you not to just say well they're rejecting a, a, a key component of clearly who i am why don't i just leave the church mm, that's a really really um difficult question to answer and it's of one course that, it is yeah, sorry I've thought about yeah no 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 no. it's fine it's one that i've thought about quite a bit um i think that a big part of it comes from just homophobia within American culture throughout the 1980s and 1990s, mm. such that I myself had a really negative view of what it meant to be gay and what gay people were and looked like and did and how they acted. Um, and I didn't want to be that. Right. So, so then after BYU's therapy didn't work, yeah. you sought other therapy. That's correct. Um, I graduated from BYU and moved to Boston and was in Boston for a year and participated in some evangelical groups uh, that pray the gay away. And then from there went down to New York City and continued participating in religious pray the gay away types of approaches in addition to um, starting more quote unquote clinical approaches, um, which, you know, of course, ended up being abusive and fraudulent right uh and so is this where you get to jonah this is where i get to jonah was when i was living in new york city talk to me about uh what jonah is uh you're not jewish but they they clearly are were a jewish organization talk to me what they what they were, this were. is the thing too is that the, the main counselor who was a defendant in the lawsuit was mormon he wasn't jewish either oh fascinating oh my god so yeah. huh. So, so you go there, what, what kinds of therapies, and I'm going to put air quotes around the word therapies, what kinds of things, uh, if you don't mind talking about it, were, were used to try and help you not be gay anymore? Yeah. So a lot of disrobing exercises. Really? What? Yeah. And, and with, with what, with what goal, with what purpose? Um, the way that it was sublimated was to justify the disrobing as removing layers of shame. Oh, my God. Okay. Not, not reinforcing shame, which seems like what would happen if you're forced to disrobe in front of your therapist. <laughs> it gets pretty, it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, How how did you react to this when, when, when you were asked to disrobe in front of, I assume, in front of your therapist? That's right. So I went as, I only went as far as taking my shirt off because I was a prude little motherfucker. But <laughs> there were some others that like went all the way. And then the therapist said, you know, now touch the part of your body that corresponds to your masculinity. And then they touch. What do you think that they touch? You know? Oh, my and God. So this was actually like kind of just maddening, but also hilarious. In the lawsuit, one of the defenses was, well, we never, we never told them to touch their genitals. <laughs> oh, my God. That's just what they chose as the symbol of their manhood. And it's like, oh, my gosh. Was this, was this just a gay man getting his rocks off by watching young men disrobe and touch themselves? Um, the jury sure seemed to think that by the end of the trial. Wow. That's wow, nuts. And this is one thing that I'll say that is significant about this lawsuit is that uh, to the best of my knowledge, 
and to the best of my attorney's knowledge. And if someone has better knowledge, I'm always up to, you know, improving my knowledge. But this is the the, the only major uh, LGBT rights related trial that has gone to a jury. As oh, right. Just by a judge. So this and, because there this was not a criminal trial. You were suing them uh, basically for fraud. That's correct. Because if you sell a commercial product and you market it with specific statistics for its effectiveness, mm-hmm. and then there is no demonstrable evidence that those claims are accurate, then that is fraudulent consumer activity. Wow. So you, you got them on, uh, on marketing fraud. That's right. So this was a consumer fraud lawsuit. None of this, wow. none of the lawsuit was about like the damage that they may have been doing to their clients or like the, 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 the pain uh, that you may have experienced going through this. That's correct. I do think that individuals who are licensed and who are practicing conversion therapy should have malpractice suits brought against them. One of the complications is that none of these individuals with Jonah had any type of licensing, that they were operating as so-called life coaches. I and see. So, oh my God. Yep. So you can't sue a life coach for malpractice because they don't have any type of professional credentials. Right. And you must have, and going into this, you must have signed something acknowledging that you were not going to be dealing with any kind of, uh, you know, licensed person. That's correct. Wow. wow. So uh, so. W- at what point did you re- how long did you go through this stuff before you realized this is not you are not going to be cured of your of your sexuality? Yeah. Um, with Jonah in particular, um, it just became increasingly clear that the people who were the longtime clients were not changed that they were still attracted to men and that what Jonah had become was their habit that it had mm. become their addiction that this was a way for them to get some type of homoerotic homophysical homo psychological connection that they weren't allowing themselves to have in their in their real life if you right. will almost a sexual stockholm syndrome Right. Very much so. That's crazy. So uh, you, you know, you mentioned the fact that you've, you've got a husband now. Uh, it seems like you may have actually embraced your gayness. <laughs> With gusto. Good. Good. Uh, the, the lawsuit, uh, basically, you, so, basic, so you shut down uh, Jonah have have there been ripple effects since then with other uh, similar groups? Um, there have been ripple effects uh, in other ways. So um, it's right now the situation is such that there are lots of individuals doing really excellent work to eradicate conversion therapy. Hmm. And so part of it is that when there's success by one group or one individual, that it kind of amplifies the encouragement and other individuals step up and they realize that they can speak out as well. And so I think that there's lots of indirect effects that come out of every victory that we have. Um, You know, with regard to very concrete progress that has been made for eradicating conversion therapy, there are states and also um, 
other jurisdictions like city ordinances against conversion therapy that have started proliferating. Right. And I think that that's a really, really excellent direction for things to, to go in. Um, I'm very interested in helping to promote the Federal Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act. So this is a bill that's been introduced both into the U.S. Senate as well as into the House of Representatives that would explicitly make it clear that marketed efforts to change sexual orientation qualify as fraud. And they would create a lot more uh, momentum toward helping empower victims and survivors of these practices. Yeah, well, I mean, now that now that there is a precedent uh, set that this is fraud, thanks to you yeah. and, and, and your cohorts, and this was and this suit was brought by you and some other plaintiffs uh, by the the Southern Poverty Law Center. Is that right? That's correct. The Southern Poverty Law Center was our legal counsel for this lawsuit. Cool. So in partnership with uh, with some other law firms like Cleary Gottlieb in New York, but it was the Southern Poverty Law Center that initiated this legal action. Excellent. Uh, and uh, and are they are they still sort of working on this issue at all, or is there anything that they're doing about it? Yes, they are. They have worked with the National Center for Lesbian Rights to file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission um, against a conversion therapy organization based in Virginia called People Can Change. Wow. Hmm. So the, the struggle continues. Yep. So the struggle continues. That's a, that's like one concrete action that's been taken. Um, if that federal complaint does uh, receive some kind of action, which, you know, unfortunately with the situation that politics has moved in the United States, there's kind of a, a ticking deadline for when we would likely see any type of federal action right. on conversion therapy. Hmm. Um, but that would be a significant step forward if the Federal Trade Commission were to step in and say, we are shutting this down because this is something that is a violation of legal standards for, for practice of, right. of business. Although I, I I think it's fair to say, maybe not fair, I think it's fair to say that at least for the next four years, science is not going to be driving a lot of policy in the United States of America. Yeah, it's kind of, it, it's pretty disheartening. But, but yes, uh, I think, I think we, we can, we can say that the, the work needs to continue, uh, do 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 you think I mentioned it uh, just almost as a given? But I, do you think that gay confer, conversion therapy is inherently harmful? I guess that's a question I wanted you to answer. Yes, I do. And, and where where does that harm lie? Do you think? Oh, in many 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 places. Um, so in general, you know, if you're treating something like it's a therapeutic modality, that you have what are referred to as iatrogenic effects meaning harms that result from the therapy itself. Mm. And in some situations, you know, we're willing to make a bargain with those iatrogenic effects. So if you have cancer, you know, a lot of people would rather have chemotherapy and they would rather have the harms that come from dumping poison into your body than the harms from not addressing the cancer. Right. Um, and unfortunately, that's how many gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender individuals within fundamentalist and conservative religious communities feel about their own nature is they feel like there is this this cancer that's growing inside of them when really this is this is the development of your soul that's growing inside of you and by taking just the paradigm that your own sexual nature 
is something that is either diseased or unhealthy or sinful, then that in and of itself is a damaging proposition for one to hold in their own mind. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a rejection of something that is uh, that is just the true self. How, How can rejecting what what and who you are be a healthy thing? So that's just at the most basic principled level of conversion therapy that I think that it's intrinsically harmful. Right. Then on top of that, you start looking at what actually happens in the conversion therapy settings. And it's just a horror show it's, of abuses. It can be clockwork orange shit. Yes. And then some. Yeah. I mean, they, I... What are there practices that you can talk about that are still happening that are beyond? I mean, so you talked about disrobing. I know that that there there used to be electroshock type therapies. There used to be uh, just like aversion therapies where they just make you feel, you know, somehow cause some sort of pain when you were as you looked at a picture at an, at an image of someone of your same gender to try and create an aversion to to that. Uh, is that still happening out there? You know, it's it's difficult to say. I have heard reports from people as recently as 2006 administering electroshock aversion therapy. Jesus. But documentation becomes really, really important because um, what happens psychologically, apart from any type of physical harm or torture, is already – so, so dangerous and so, so toxic that we don't need to indulge in hyperbole. But if those abuses are actually happening, then we need to very carefully and very rigorously document those and talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a valid point that it doesn't have to get that extreme for it to be harmful. We can talk about the harm of just sitting in a room and talking as though your sexuality is poisonous. Mm -hmm. That's right. Um, Some of the abusive practices that I have seen within the world of conversion therapy um, involve, you know, these crossings between the client and the counselor. Oh, yeah. um, Or, you know, imagine that you're going on these weekends in the woods, you're spending all of this time with each other, you're disrobing, um, you are going to start developing attractions, attachments, emotions. And then when you're in a state where you're so repressed and you're, you're, you just need some kind of human contact. Yeah. Then lots of relationships end up happening both between clients themselves, or like I said, between counselors and clients or between counselors themselves. And so wait a minute, are you claiming on some level that you, when you put a whole bunch of gay men together and they're sleeping over in the woods somewhere, that gay shit happens? I know. It's shocking, right? You wouldn't be able to predict that that could happen. Weird. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? <laughs> and then one of the things that's a, a real tragedy to me is that these organizations have retreats for the wives of gay men oh. called the Wife's Healing Journey that the damage that's done to the women in these relationships is also so predictable and so systematic that now they're marketing and profiteering by having retreats for the women who have been through such, yeah, a horrible, 
abusive, traumatic experience with their husband cheating on them with another man or with their husband never being attracted to them. And so the way that that just undermines their entire sense of worth and self. So you you start following the trail and it's just disaster everywhere. Yeah, it's not a good thing. I I think that's that's safe to say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's not. And yet and yet it's such a fight to 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 actually get it to stop. Do you is, do you have any suggestions for our listeners who uh, who might want to participate in the uh, in 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 this struggle? Who things that we can do uh, as as individuals or as a group to uh, to fight against gay conversion therapy and, yeah, and the so demonizing of gay folk? There's lots of things. Um, one of the many things that you could do is to check out a website. Um, I'm on the board of directors for this group. It's called We Exist. LGBT, so W-E-E-X-I-S-T dot L-G-B-T. And one of our aims is to end conversion therapy. Like I said, um, we're specifically going to be looking on advocacy with regard to the Federal, federal Therapeutic Fraud Prevention Act. Mm. Um, so we'll be doing letter writing campaigns, reaching out to contact representatives, um, trying to get citizens involved to say that this is a direction that they want to see reflected in the representatives' decisions. Neat. That sounds yeah. great. Uh, hey, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your less than fun experiences with us. Uh, but congratulations on winning the lawsuit. That's Thanks, amazing. <laughs> thank you. And I'm glad to get the word out there and to get people activated and involved. So thanks for having me on. Bye-bye. God, that's fucked up. All the shit that he got to go through. Well, yeah, that yeah. is some fucked up stuff, but I'm glad that they won the, the lawsuit. Yeah, anyway, thanks. thanks again, uh, Michael Ferguson, for that. Uh, we have some other people to thank. Thanks again to our patrons. Absolutely. Uh, thanks, remember, guys. if you want to be a patron, you can go to thankgodimatheist.com and click on the Patreon button. If you want to, if you want to write to us about anything you've heard on today's show, please feel free to do so. Go to uh, thank, just write to thank podcast. That's it podcast at thankgodimatheist.com or you can leave us a voicemail message the telephone number is 424-666-8442 right go to the facebook page facebook.com slash tgiatheist and while there search for the tgia members only lounge and request to join it's a closed group though but we'll let you in yes indeed uh hey thanks to Mackenzie for all the hard work she does on the facebook page and thanks to the red rock hot club for the use of their music and thanks to gordon johnston uh for his his use of his fine organ music uh on that thing we sure appreciate that and thank you dear listener for listening yeah we sure appreciate it when you do merry christmas bye